This week on the show, eBay makes a really good move, Bonanza makes a really bad move, and I have a very interesting week. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 223 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I will be your host as we walk through a relative handful of reselling news updates and a pretty small what sold recap. We'll talk about the <laughs> uh, very unusual week I had here at the Galaxy uh, in that second half of the show, but let's uh, just jump right in here to the reselling news. News updates. So eBay, uh, we talked about in the episode I did a few weeks ago when they announced their fall seller update that they were going to do some category changes. And while I lauded them for not having a big laundry list of updated item specifics that people were going to have to do, anytime there are category changes, there are potential updates that will need to be made as items move in and out of categories that may have different item specifics. And as you head into fourth quarter, that's always the last thing you want to be messing with. They announced that those changes were going to go into effect on October 24th, and eBay announced that they are, in fact, delaying those changes until the first part of 2024. So this article on e-commerce bites, uh, eBay is making changes to its category structure, which were announced, as I just said, last month as part of the fall seller update. Uh, originally, they intended to roll those out October 24th of this year, but they've made the decision to move those changes back to early 2024 after being reminded by sellers this was their busy season. That has not, to my knowledge, uh, had much of an impact previously. I know sellers have squawked about this for as long as I've been doing this, uh, but this year, it apparently had some impact. eBay did not issue an actual announcement, but they did update the landing page where it had initially made the announcement, writing, there's nothing you need to do. Just enjoy a successful holiday season. We'll be in touch before the category changes take place. Latest category changes are moved to 2024. We wanted to let you know that we've decided to move these category changes announced in our most recent seller update to early 2024. Nothing you need to do. When these changes do roll out, they are primarily going to impact the auto parts and accessories category like we talked about in that previous episode. They're doing a couple of other changes as well. They're adding an empty shoebox or replacement shoebox category in sneakers so that if you're just selling an original box, you don't have to list it as a sneaker, which seems like it makes good sense. Uh, and then they're also doing something in their firearm magazine extender category, hoping that it will help them comply with some federal uh, gun regulations. So uh, kudos to eBay for making that change and deciding to push all that stuff back into next year. I have said for years on this show that implementing these kind of changes rolling into fourth quarter is always a bad idea. And it seems like they have gotten the message, not from me necessarily, <laughs> uh, but from all of us who have uh, complained long and loud about that being just really poor timing. USPS did make an announcement uh, that they are going to start assessing fees on non-compliant ground advantage packages after October 31st. So by the time this airs, you'll have just a couple of days left to actually use the old first class package. They had gra gra granted an extension on that uh, when they announced this program back in the summer. But the grace period is grinding to a halt. It introduced on July 9th this new ground advantage 
uh, service that replaced first class package, parcel select ground and parcel select cubic. For my part, I'm a big fan of this new program. It has in many cases proven to be cheaper than media mail to ship really light items. Uh, sub four ounce stuff has been significantly less in many cases with this other than media mail. And even sometimes the heavier, bigger boxed items can go out cheaper on ground advantage using the cubic ground advantage uh, than they would go out by media mail. So this has been really, uh, for my part, if you're watching on YouTube, you can let me know in the comments what you think of it. But I think (laughs) on balance, the service has really, really been fantastic. They did announce, uh, reminded sellers that the grace period would end on October 31st. And the question is, what happens if a seller ships something using one of the old services after the deadline they note while packages bearing legacy product markings will not be refused non-compliance fees may be assessed systematically according to wednesday's announcement so they may go into your account and back charge you for whatever the the change would be in many cases Probably not much. It may even be less. <laughs> uh, but if you're still using the old first class information and first class labels, uh, you really need to get that sorted. You got a couple more days. October 31st will be the last day that they'll grandfather those packages. They did remind everyone that this is a more affordable way to ship packages up to 70 pounds in two to five business days. It includes $100 worth of insurance for both retail and commercial customers, which is really nice. Uh, package forwarding and return to sender endorsements and free package pickup on a carrier's route. So that's, it's a really cool service. Again, let me know in the comments down below if you're on YouTube, what you think of the service and if you've been able to get compliant. I know one of the big holdups was Amazon and they have since gotten their act together and are using that uh, new program as well. Speaking of shipping, (laughs) uh, Bonanza. So... They really, really have made a mess of this, and I don't know if uh, ultimately they will go through with it. I'm hoping that they get smart and ditch this whole idea, but they announced uh, last week that they are uh, putting together their own in-house shipping program where you'll be able to purchase labels through them to ship your products, which they have not had previously. And that, on the face of it, all sounds well and good. The problem is in the execution of this uh, Bonanza, I, I've talked about it regularly. I, they're a really, really tiny piece of my business, two, three, sometimes maybe four sales a month. They don't have a big seller base that I'm aware of. They probably can't really afford to be ticking off sellers, but man, this one has uh, hit folks to the core. They are essentially forcing you to use their shipping program or whether you want to or not. Now, uh, let me just read this article <laughs> uh, and then we'll get into a little bit of commentary because this is just a, a wild thing for me. I just don't get this one at all. Sellers who choose not to print shipping labels through Bonanza will pay an additional $2 in fees. The marketplace justified the policy by telling sellers it would make their lives easier. Our UPS USPS, FedEx, and UPS labels will be automatically generated and available within your dashboard at the lowest prices available whenever there is a sale. Seamless. So based on whatever information you've put into the listing in terms of weight, your shipping method, size, they're automatically going to generate the label and have it available, apparently, according to this. But they're charging you 
in a very weird way. So they note in this article that no mainstream marketplaces charges sellers a fee for not using their labels. So for instance, in my case, I've talked about it regularly. I don't use eBay or Etsy or Macari labels. I put everything into pirate ship. Etsy and eBay automatically import into pirate ship and I just ship everything there. So I can print one scan sheet Take my 10, 12, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever number of packages it happens to be on a given day to the post office. He scans one sheet. We dump the bag into the tub and get on with life. I'm not trying to add another shipping service to my arsenal here. I don't need to do it. Uh, Again, for me, it's only a couple sales a month, so it's not like I'm going to cancel my account to do this. But this is really, really aggravating. Wednesday's announcement, the article says, was met with immediate resistance from sellers many of whom, like I just mentioned for myself, use multi-carrier shipping services to manage their orders across all of their channels. Forcing sellers into your program will not work. One seller wrote, this change does not save me more money. I will be suspending my store at the end of the month. Not giving sellers a choice is a bad idea. I sell way more elsewhere anyway. I believe that is probably the case for almost everyone who sells on Bonanza. I don't I don't personally know of anyone who that is a significant source of their income. There may be some folks out there. If you're one of them, you can let me know in the comments. I'd, I'd be thrilled to know what you're doing to be successful on Bonanza because for me, again, I sell, man, you know, a hundred listings a week, maybe give or take. Uh, and I might sell one every other week on Bonanza of that total. So it's a tiny, tiny piece of my business. Not a fan of the forced $2 fee, said another. This person also says, I prefer pirate ship to manage my shipments on multiple platforms. I don't need to be punished or forced into using Bonanza shipping and making me rely on this platform to maintain my shipping data when I already do that with pirate ship. I guess I'll raise all my prices $2 to cover the charge. Part of the problem here is that the way this program has been set up is that $2 from your funds that are available to you at the time of sale are essentially going to be moved to their shipping program as a deposit on your purchase of the label. If you then elect to not print that label, you don't get that $2 back. That is a, it's an accounting nightmare, (laughs) uh, moving money here and there and everywhere. That that's another reason I use pirate ship. I put everything on my credit card. I get one bill at the end of the month and I can take care of my shipping. I'm not paying X amount to eBay and X amount to Mercari and X amount to Etsy and now this to Bonanza and then having to account for $2 that came out of my funds that went to a deposit that ultimately I have to take back as a credit on my... Um, It's just, that is a mess. (laughs) Uh, Please let me know in the comments down below what you think of this, but I just, this is a disaster. Again, you're caught between uh, two worlds here. If you're like me and you only sell one or two things a month, this isn't a big enough deal that it's going to cause me to close my Bonanza shop. If they don't change this program, I'll just deal with it the one or two times a month that it happens. Likewise, if you are a large seller and you're selling lots of packages through Bonanza, you don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face. You don't want to end your business there over this. You got to figure it out. Uh, and I think Bonanza has, as they say, uh, screwed the pooch with this one. This is a really, really bad program. My my gut instinct, and this is just me thinking out loud, is 
that in order to get the rates that they are trying to offer to us, they needed to generate a certain amount of purchase of labels through USPS probably to qualify for that. And they were probably rightly afraid that they don't really have that many people that would probably use this service. But rather than trying to find some way to entice or encourage people to use it, this deposit scheme essentially forces people to use it, which is where you get into trouble. I spent 30 odd years in retail management and in sales and you're always much better off if you can find a way to encourage people to do what you want them to do rather than to try to force them to do it because you'll get, obviously, natural pushback, which has been the case with this. Their message boards have been a riot <laughs> uh, of people complaining about this issue, which is amazing. Again, I don't know what their actual user base is, but it can't be very big. And again, to tick those relative handful of folks off, just seems like a really, really bad play. There are some sellers who will be exempt. Uh, if they manage their order fulfillment through a third-party Bonanza-approved API partner, uh, Pirate Ship is not one of them currently. Uh, sellers who obtain and fulfill their inventory through a drop shipping service and sellers who ship from outside the United States. So this is only going to impact sellers within the U.S. Again, I don't know what the size of Bonanza's seller base is outside the U.S., I assume it's probably not very big, <laughs> uh, but those folks will be exempt. They did note in their in kind of the the thread on their message boards that if you shipped small items that you normally sent out with a stamp on an envelope, that you would not have to pay this two dollar fee. But I don't know how they're going to credit that back. I don't. That program is it's it's just a mess. They've already made one change to it. They were going to essentially set it up so that that $2 was billed every month, just once a month as part of your final value fee billing. They're now changing it so that that charge will actually disappear altogether when you buy your label. So essentially, you're still going to pay full price for the label. You're not saving any money on this program. They keep trying to make it out. If you if you go to their message boards and read their responses, they keep repeating this mantra of, we're going to offer you the cheapest USPS and UPS and FedEx rates anywhere that are available. That's all well and good. Most other places already do that as well. You got to have something more rather than the stick <laughs> in this case instead of the carrot. Uh, good luck to them. I don't, I don't know what it's going to do to their seller base. They've obviously already had a ton of sellers that said they would just put their um, stores on vacation mode until this is resolved or they would leave the platform altogether. If you're a small seller like me, I could walk away. It's a couple of sales a month. It's not going to cost me that much money to deal with the aggravation, but I probably will not make the change. This new policy, uh, for those of you who need to know, goes into effect on November 8th of this year. And if you want more details, there is a link in this article that you can go to their announcement and <laughs> uh, the subsequent follow-up clarification announcement, which really didn't make things any better the following day. So that is a uh, not a big bunch of news for the news updates this week, but uh, definitely some weird stuff going on there. And speaking of weird stuff, it was a really bizarre week here at the Galaxy. Let's talk about some stuff that sold. So because last week's episode was a little bit late, uh, some of the items that I normally would have covered this week in the What Sold were actually on last week's 
what's sold. So this one's not very big. It might be half a dozen items or so. Some interesting stuff here, but it was a really strange week. Normally, uh, Etsy and Mercari are, uh, again, a relative handful, 15 to 20, maybe sometimes 22 or 23% of my business in any given week. Mercari might do three or four sales in a week, and Etsy might do six or seven, where eBay typically is 75, 85, 95 transactions a week. So it's obviously the the bulk of my business. I've talked to some other sellers, and a lot of folks had a really rough week on eBay. This guy included, I sold 59 items on eBay, which is way, way off the pace for me. However, as I mentioned on Instagram, if you follow me over there, at Galaxy CDs Rocks, because I cross-list to Mercari and to Etsy, my total week actually came out okay because I did way more business on those two platforms than I normally do in a week. I had, I think, 10 sales on Mercari and 12 maybe over on Etsy instead of the normal two to three, five to six kind of thing. So on balance, the week ended up being okay, but it was just a really unusual mix of where those sales actually took place. I'd like to have one of those weeks where I sold my normal 80 or 90 listings on eBay and then also sold 20 or 25 more listings between eBay and Etsy and actually raked in some real money. (laughs) That would be a lot of fun. Uh, But so far, that hasn't really happened. But it does, as I mentioned in that Instagram post and as I talk about on this show, with some regularity, goes to show the importance of cross-listing. That is a almost surefire way to increase your business. So as I do on occasion, I encourage you, if you are not currently cross-listing, to at least consider adding one, if not multiple, additional platforms to your mix of what you sell on. Whether you do that manually, whether you do it using a service, I, I do. I am a big fan of List Perfectly. There is an affiliate link down below. If you'd like to check that out, you can get a 30% discount off your first month to try their cross-listing service. You can use Vindu. There are multiple ways that you can get this done, but on average, 20%, give or take, of my business takes place off of my what I would consider to be my main platform, and that's 20% of my business that I would not be getting otherwise. So if you're not cross-listing somewhere else, uh, I would strongly recommend that you at least think about doing it because it's it's going to represent, n- number one, additional income opportunities. And number two, if your main platform has a rough week, sometimes like in the case of me this week, those other platforms may bail you out. So uh, I'll get off the soapbox, but again, there is a link down below if you would like to check out List Perfectly. Uh, This first item sold on Mercari, speaking of uh, things that sold other places, the Jerusalem World Center Study Bible. This was a commemorative edition, King James Version, leather with indexing, Really nice Bible. I picked this up at an estate sale uh, two weeks ago for $2. It sold for $23 with free shipping over on Mercari and sold very, very quickly. So fairly pleased with that item out the door. Uh, Moving over to Etsy. Collected Poems of Mary White Slater from 1953. It was a first edition hardcover with its dust jacket from Exposition Press. If I remember correctly, this Mary White Slater was a poet in the Dayton, Ohio area. So there were not a lot of these books out there as a kind of a locally published item. So I didn't really have a lot of good comps on this. I priced it at $27.99 and it sat there for quite some time. 
I'm running my 10% off sale this month over on Etsy, and somebody did buy it this week. Someone from Ohio, so I don't know if this maybe is a friend or a family member that might be tracking this thing down, but it sold for $25.19 uh, plus media mail shipping. I bought this as part of a big lot of uh, 15,000 books that I talk about pretty regularly on here that I own for less than five cents. Over to eBay. Uh, I normally don't do tools. I'm not uh, Tim the Tool Man. I am not. I'm not very handy. I don't. I don't have a lot of tools. I don't know much about tools. I know there's good money in them, but I just don't know enough, and I'm not interested enough in it to do the research. But I stumbled on this set of Pittsburgh hand tools. It was a seven-piece drive impact swivel socket set in its case at a estate sale. It was priced for $2, and I thought, all these little sockets for 2 bucks. So I got to look this thing up, and it turned out they're worth about $35. So I went ahead and bought it. I've had it for a little bit of time, uh, listed for $34.99 plus shipping. Got a watcher. It's had watchers a couple different times, but nobody pulled the trigger this time. Somebody did accept my 15% off offering and bought it for $29.74 plus shipping. So... Um, sometimes it pays to step out of your wheelhouse. Uh, I do sell obviously mostly books here on this show, but every now and then I'll find something else that just is too good a deal to pass up. And now back to the books. <laughs> uh, here we are over on eBay. Once again, before the dawn by Eugenio Zoli, this was a first edition, first printing hardcover with its dust jacket from 1954 published by Sheed and Ward. This was a book, if I recall correctly, uh, something about the Jewish history had it listed for thirty four thirty nine. Actually, it was forty two ninety nine, and it got twenty percent off in my current clearance offering, and sold for thirty four dollars and thirty nine cents plus shipping. Here's a weird one. So, I don't typically do real well with a lot of pet books. They're just there. There's millions of them out there, and a lot of them don't really have much value. I rarely at this point even take the time to look them up unless I see one that just seems somehow unusual to me. And this one looked a little different. So I looked it up and the comps were pretty good. And ultimately it has done fairly well for me. The Complete Guide to Raising Pet Birds for Profit. This was written by a guy named James McDonald's, published back in 2003, illustrated, uh, kind of a trade paperback. I had it listed for $44.99 or best offer. It's in my current 20% markdown sale and sold for $35.99 plus shipping. It was an item I picked up at a garage sale for a buck. So again, sometimes it pays. I, I think I've probably talked about this a lot of times, but one of the keys for me when I'm out looking and I've been doing books now for four plus years is looking for things that are just seem a little bit unusual. It's not something that I think I've not seen before or a title or a cover that just looks a little different. And that's a cue for me to look something up. That was the case with this. And it was the case with this one. So a couple weeks ago, I was out hitting some estate sales and I two of the sales I wanted to go to started late in the day. One of them was at four and one of them was at five. And I got done with the other ones at about two o'clock in the afternoon. So I had some time to kill and I went into a local thrift store and I, I, let me know in the comments if you're finding this as well, if, especially if you're a bookseller. A lot of the thrift stores that I used to go into on a regular basis that used to have a significant number of books no longer do that. Uh, this 
store I had not been in in over a year, but it used to have probably a 50 or 60 foot long aisle of nothing but books. I mean, jam packed, overflowing, falling on the floor books everywhere. And I could usually do pretty well there. So that's why I stopped at this store kind of in between my sales. And man, there was next to nothing in that section. It was probably maybe 16 feet of section now, four, four foot shelving sections, very limited amount of books. I actually only bought two, but this is one that just randomly caught my eye because the cover was a little unusual. And again, something I had not heard of. So I looked it up and it turned out to be worth pretty good money. Poor Things by Alistair Gray was the first U.S. printing of this particular book from 1992. Hardcover with its dust jacket. At the time I bought it, this was the only hardcover that was listed on eBay. Uh, all the rest of them were trade paperbacks and or were newer versions of this, not a first printing. There had been sales on this book anywhere from about 60 odd dollars up through a little over 100 because I knew I had the only hardcover, I priced it at $99.99 or best offer. I got a watcher almost immediately. I sent out my 15% off offer. I probably could have held out and gotten a little more money, uh, but the person accepted the offer, $84.99. I paid $1.99 plus tax <laughs> for this item at the thrift store. So again, looking for things that are unusual or different or just kind of catch the eye, uh, has worked for me and in this case worked pretty well uh and that is your flip of the week and that is going to put a wrap on this week's episode again not a ton going on this week some interesting news bad news over at bonanza good news over at ebay i guess you could take it that way um let me know how things are going for you. If you got anything helpful, useful, informational, or you just like this show, please do me a favor if you're watching on YouTube and hit that thumbs up button. If you're not currently a subscriber to the YouTube channel or a follower of the podcast, please consider doing that as well. And of course, if you know anybody else who's in the reselling game or a book lover that might find any of this interesting, please feel free to share it with them as well. I hope uh, everybody has a great week. And until next time, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.